This episode of Ars Cryptoctica is brought to you by Uptick Project, the NFT world in your hand. Uptick is a decentralized mobile app built on top of the Uptick protocol. Manage your NFT-based digital assets with a focus on entertainment, sports, and the creative industry. Whatever your need for NFTs, Uptick has you covered. Welcome back to NFT podcast, Ars Cryptoctica. This is episode 17, and the theme for this episode is poetry and NFTs. Henry, let's go. Now, this is exciting. This is really exciting. You know, half of my life has been immersed in poetry, the other half in art. So um, I, I couldn't be more blessed than to have the conversation, say, with the people that we have. Uh, normally, I like to go into long introductions in, in about the people that we have on the show. Today, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So in your introduction, say what you like, say what you want other people to know about your contribution as a poet in the NFT space, and read me a poem. That will help the audience know a little bit more about you in the context this show is about today. So let's uh, start with Duo Crypto. Um, Duo, why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll move on to the ladies and finish with Digi. Okay, good morning all. I am Duo Crypto. My name is Luis Alberto and I am from Honduras, Central America. Uh, actually, I entered the space, the NFT space, like five months ago, and I have been immersed in this amazing world, you know. I have been a, a poet, a painter, and also a photographer for the last 20, 25 years, maybe, because uh, I came from a background that my parents had an art gallery when I was little until I enter my my youth you know and and i was surrounded by painters by poets and it was a pretty amazing world so yeah this is the second uh, podcast that i am in with you the first one i thought that is was the um, the slash aces i think the duck project yes yeah so right now we have a project going on that it's called poetic soap that we have been talking to mentalists and we ended up like running this program that it's from the community for the community as we are making artists come to poetic soap and bring us either is visual either is poems uh, or even reading and we combine it with our skills of of uh, three of us that is two stone laura and me and yeah we are on the second one that it's a, a pretty amazing one because uh, the the person is behind the visual is so amazing illustrator and, and yeah yeah laura did the the boys and it was amazing i don't know if you want me to 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 read the poem uh, i know that laura maybe <laughs> it sounds very with laura but uh, as we are doing poetry right now in this podcast, I don't know if you want me to to read my poem. Yes, why don't you? Okay, so the poem is called Out of This World. I am different from the others. I try to remember what human nature is. 
as I look at the iris flower, I wonder what it will be like to get out of my bubble, to explore, to breathe, to feel. The petals fools of life try to enter my discolored heart. I feel lost, alone. The steel that protects me want to explode. And I question myself again. Should I go out and live, dream, create? I feel like a stranger out of this world. Wow. Actually, I, I love your reading of it. I, you know, it was, I listened to Laura's a couple of times, but you know, I, I'm a huge fan of accents. So it's nice to hear English. I came up in my love for poetry, primarily was influenced as a writer by uh, Spanish writers in translation, which is an interesting dynamic, as you can imagine. But, you know, Pablo Neruda, and Borca, Jimenez, um, you know, uh, I mean, they're just on and on. Cesar Vallejo, uh, Octavio Paz, I love them all. And I was only ever able to read them in English translation. So hearing, you know, I imagine you writing in Spanish and now here you are translating into English for the English listeners. And that's beautiful to me. So the personal, uh, personal investment in the Spanish writers. Uh, so let's um, now introduce the ladies. Ladies, one of you want to go first? Uh, my name is Ana Maria Caballero. I am actually Colombian. Um, so hi, Duo Crypto. Um, hola. I grew up in Colombia, uh, but we left sort of in my youth um, because of, of problems, obviously, in now. In the country, and I had a U.S. Uh, education. I studied uh, literature as an undergrad, and then I also um, am doing an MFA now in sort of my later years, my post-college years, um, that I'm doing really for fun, and I'm having a blast um, with it. Highly recommend going back to school. Um, I've published a book of poetry in Spanish. That was my first publication. It won a national award in Colombia. I've published two poetry chapbooks in the US. And I have my first nonfiction book uh, won an award in the UK and it will be published by um, independent press based out in London next year. Um, and I'm working on my poetry manuscript, um, another one. Um, called Mammal, and I actually sent it to my second editor yesterday afternoon, so I think it's pretty close to being done. Um, and uh, many of the poems that I have available as NFTs actually come from Mammal. I, um, I started getting interested in NFTs, um, you know, the story started like many do with a New York Times article um, about, you know, all this stuff that was happening and all these sales. And I just thought, well, maybe that can be done with poetry. Um, you know, poets don't make any money off of publishing their poems, really. Um, I think one time I got a check for $15 and it was very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I did. So, so I saved true, it. So true. <laughs> I didn't even deposit it. I just thought I would keep it. Um, you actually have to pay publications to read your work. And then, you know, you're lucky if you get an answer within a couple months. Um, and so I thought, you know, maybe this could be a way to, to engage. I was already transforming my poems into digital videos, um, on Instagram and 
it was actually much more satisfying than publishing in, you know, journals that were somewhat prestigious um, because, you know, I just felt like no one was reading them um, after all that work. And so I, um, I started knocking really on Callan's door and she was amazingly supportive. Like she's been so to so many writers in the crypto space. Um, you know, I think we all have a big sort of debt of gratitude with, with Callan um, and how, how sort of inclusive she always is of, of everyone. Um, she told me, you know, how to get a wallet set up and, you know, how to get started. Um, and then all of a sudden I was invited to be part of the Ether Poems launch, Art Chicks project. Um, and so I'm part of the second one and I have some poems available there. I've also posted my my Higet Nunk uh, Genesis last week, I think it was. And um, I got some exciting news yesterday, which is that I was accepted into async art. Um, I've also written a few short stories and published them. Um, and I had a, a, a piece that is called Kylo Ren and the Divine Feminine that I was writing as a poem but it was just getting so long and crazy that I'm like, no, 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 this needs to be a um, short story. And it's kind of reminded me the way it was coming out of Cortázar's uh, Rayuela, um, which I'm sure many of you you've heard of. It's the, his hopscotch book, which is, it was, you know, yes. absolutely experimental where you start reading it and you kind of choose within the book if you want to go to section 50 or section 29 and the book, you, you get to jump around. Um, so yeah. it's totally interactive and it's, you know, 50 years old. So yes, I, I um, love that book as a child. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to do something like that. And then I came across a sink. Um, and so that's what I'm going to work on with them once I figure out the technology side of things. Um, and I guess that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I've worked in many Bases like in my you know quote unquote um, career, <laughs> but really um, I'm a poet and, and I'm really excited to be here. Um, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, why don't you read a poem for us? Okay, I will read a poem that's actually um, part of my Ether Poems collection. It's called Pointillism. Not the life I dreamed is not an effective way to say. This is not the life I dreamed. Preferable to deliver such meaning abstractly from the distant clean of metaphor. The curt indigo waves of Lake Okeechobee veil drifting alligators well. Better yet to not articulate, to verbalize no thing, or to concede. Honey, I love you. You are a terrific father, a terrific man. My nipples are bleeding from feeding our baby. That is all. Wow. That is all. Now I'm reminded, <laughs> I am reminded of Ray Armantrout. Are you familiar with her at all? Mm-hmm. I love Ray. I She's amazing. I love her. Yes, yeah, she is amazing. Yeah. But the, the sort of dissociative, like, there's so much like the Sesora and haiku, you know, there's so much happening in the, in the, in the, in between of, of the phrases, um, in the, the, the spaces and the shifts, uh, it's, it's, it, you know, it's not quite 
language poetry, but it's like definitely riffing off of the sort of um, technical side of language poetry and the way, the way language poets like Ray Armand Trout are just brilliant with hesitancy and brilliant with the, you know, the space between. So yeah, yeah that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was really, really, really technically beautiful. I mean, Thank I love it. I yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So why don't, why don't we now move on to, uh, Kaylin, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi. Um, thank you for having me. Um, so my name is Callan. Uh, I'm a crypto writer. I'm Canadian, but I live in France. Uh, I work as a translator, but, um, I've written my whole life. Um, although I've never published anything and actually I don't have, um, any formal education in literature. I, I come from a social science background. So I studied international development for my undergrad and my master's, um, but during the tail end of my education, I grew very critical of what I was studying and the approach. Um, and I also worked in the NGO sector in Geneva and grew really like jaded and disenchanted with how things kind of work to the real world. Um, and so when I realized I couldn't work in the field of international development, I, I kind of returned to what I'd always loved, which is literature. Um, and I think like I come from an immigrant family. My, my parents are Korean originally, but born in Japan. It's a very complicated story. Um, and it was, it was kind of expected of me to be some kind of professional. So like, you know, my parents always dreamed that we, all, me and my sisters would be lawyers. And so I don't think I ever allowed myself to believe that I could be a writer um, and that it could be like a legitimate career option. Um, and I've always written, but it was only when I discovered NFTs late last year that I began to show my work. Um, and, you know, the crypto space has, has given me like a real footing for my artistic practice. And, um, and really it's given me not only a, like a medium, but actual content and a style for my work. Um, and I really ground my writing in, in um, the crypto culture, crypto sphere. Um, so I'm into my first NFT early this year. I think it was in January. Um, and um, yeah, I would describe my work as like conceptual crypto writing, uh, which is to say that it's writing that was born in the space um, and is really for like a crypto readership. Um, so it really breaks with traditional writing on the page. Uh, there's always like an underlying concept behind my work that's usually linked to crypto and the blockchain. Uh, it's often underpinned by a sense of like playfulness and exploration, which is really like what excites me about um, crypto writing. You know, you it's the all the things that you could do with NFTs. And um, yeah, I just think it's very exciting to play around with that. Um, yeah. This is great. Now, why don't you read a poem? Uh, okay, so uh, since you guys mentioned uh, the language poets and you were talking about Frank O'Hara, uh, I could read the language, the language poem that I did for Ether Poems. Um, it's, so the concept of this uh, series is it's called Metaverse, and I kind of played on the word metaverse because it has the word verse in it. Um, Love and it. Ba <laughs> so basically, it's meta poetry. <clears throat> it's um, I take different schools of poetry, mostly from the 20th century, and um, I imagine 
than in the metaverse, <coughs> excuse me. So uh, I kind of try to see, <clears throat> imagine what they would think about the metaverse, how they would fit in, um, how they would feel about it, how would they, so I try to write in their style. Etc. Um, so before is, you start, yeah. could I ask a question? Um, which sure. school, what schools of poetry uh, are you including in this? So I, there were twenty, <clears throat> there were twenty poems, uh, and I called them parcels. So I could look it up. So I did a haiku, which is obviously not twentieth century, Italian futurist, uh, imagist, um, and maybe you can choose. You can tell me which one you want to hear. Uh, imagist, Ulipo. Um, the French experimental group, yep. AI, con concrete, erasure. Uh, so these are more techniques, but simultaneous. Yep. So like data poetry, surrealist, yep. uh, dirty, dirty realist, uh, beat, jazz, cut up, feminist, language, crypto, which is, you know, new, uh, new formalist, digital, post-colonial and the New York school. New York school and no confessional. I I was I tried to do a confessional, but I just it just felt so. Yeah, hard. no, I, I, I imagine it would be difficult. All right, yeah. go ahead. I, actually, I would love to hear uh, the the futurist, Dadaist, surrealist, uh, the New York school. Uh, you know, I mean, honestly, I I love the sound of every one of them, but yeah, pick a handful. <laughs> Okay, um, well, some of them are really short. So uh, I, I can start with, um, so I'll start with the New York School. Uh, so this is this uh, makes reference to Frank O'Hara and uh, the Lana Turner poem and a few others. Um, Metaverse, parcel 20, New York School. Strolling through the Metaverse, blinded by the hot pink trees, I drop my pickle on the lime green lawn there's a lot of money in crypto voxels, you know. He built the Scarlet Factory on Ferret Thruway. Red is China, old is the future of France. FFS, NFTs are dead, they said. They believed it. NGMI, NFT, we love you, get up. So that's the New York uh -huh. School. I love it. That's <laughs> so you. Frank O'Hara too, I love it. I, I'm actually <laughs> gonna read uh, Why I'm Not a Painter. That's the poem I'm reading from Frank O'Hara. Okay. Yeah, I was so, um, yeah, I didn't study poetry, but I kind of just like read a lot of the poems and I tried to kind of absorb like the style. So I don't know about like the technic technically if it's like um, how close it is, but yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, the use of color, the use of color is very prominent in his work, you know, the dropping of color. Mm. So that it was nice to hear that. Go ahead. Um, so I can do, do you want me to do the language? Are you just in a language Yeah, let's one? do that. Yeah, go right yeah, ahead. Okay. So metaverse, parcel 16, language. A poem in the metaverse is cryptovoxel, somnian space, decentraland, Alice Toklas in Wonderland, collectors of non-fungible tokens. Decentralization, rhizomatic, I'm at home on the blockchain, slipping and sliding on the signifying chain. So I make reference to like Jacques Lacan and um, yeah, the, the rhizome. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. So that's the language. So maybe read Dada and then we'll come back to this a little bit later. Sure. Um, so for the Dada, I have um, the simultaneous, which I can't do because um, it was a video poem and I, I recorded it three times. So it's like three people reading at the same time. 
Uh, what was the other apropos? That I want? What was that? I said apropos. Um, oh, what were you? Were yeah. you after Pacabia or Polinaire? Who are you? Um, for the, for the uh, simultaneous, it was really Tristan Zara. Like oh, Zara, original, very like, interesting. Yeah, so like the Cafe Voltaire, um, like the performance yep. is there. Um, so that's what I was going for with that one, the simultaneous one. Um, I had a cut up as well. I don't know if that's very interesting. Um, uh, surrealist? Okay, sure, Surrealist. Let's do that. Would you? Was it Breton? The Surrealist, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of uh, read a bunch of Surrealist poems and I just picked up kind of the ideas, like, you know, the juxtaposition of like very strange things together yes. Um, yes. and that kind of thing. And, you know, stream of consciousness writing, um, mm -hmm. but, you know, edited, <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's what I did with the Surrealist one. Okay. Those kind of, yeah. So, Metaverse, Parcel 9, Surrealist. A poem in the Metaverse is pink trees growing out of printing presses. Avatars sleeping in tight Brian Brinkman pants and cardboard boxes in the moonlight. A poem in the Metaverse is a Fiwo painting, eyes bulging, upturned, streaming. Neon lights in a vast, invisible pastoral landscape. A poem in the Metaverse is my pen, moving through the streets, drawing words and song and blood. A poem in the metaverse comes from the cons real, lives and dreams on 19 Mountain Alley, on lagging computers and high-speed lifestyles. We dream awake in the metaverse, reciting lines of dreadful poetry, typewriters drifting like pink leaves in the wind as far as the eye can feel. Mm. Well, it was almost, that reminded me of William Burroughs there at the end. Oh, yeah. Okay. The typewriter, the typewriter's drifting. It's like naked lunch all over again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Digipedia. Thank you. Thank you. Digipedia. Let's Thank talk, you. brother. Yes, Mike. Of course, of course. You want to introduce yourself, Digi? Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I'm, I'm Digipedia. Um, I'm a poet from India. Uh, I have, uh, you know, uh, like my counterparts over here and the contemporaries in the field, I have no formal training in poetry or literature. But I've been writing and trying to improve my craft by telling stories via poetry uh, for about 20 years now. I have self-published two books. And, uh, the, you know, I heard about the NFT space. I wanted to continuously improve my craft and try to experiment. So I joined the space and I, I tried, you know, one of the early ones where I was not uh, speaking of, you know, there was no spoken poem or I'd not recorded in voice one of those poems. I, I experimentally put up and uh, just by the sale of the one poem, I actually made more money in, you know, as compared to royalties from two books. So that made me realize the, uh, the, uh, the, how do you call it? The incentive for innovation and the incentive to experiment with new technology. And I thought that, okay, I should maybe push this further. Uh, I've been writing uh, poetry for a very long time, but recently I shifted my focus to changing the way poetry is experienced. So uh, I, I know I have a little bit of skill with 3D and uh, with you know uh, drawings because I am a mechanical engineer myself. I've been building ships and oil rigs my entire life. And uh, off late, I've been working with a lot of technical data. 
So uh, I thought, why not experience poetry in a totally different way, uh, where 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 it was always either read or heard? Why not make it uh, you know uh, just float in space? Why not make it interactive? Why not let the viewer take it any way they want? Why augmented reality and experience the way they want to juxtapose it with the environment that they are in, and you know uh, try and see uh, how it goes. So those are the things that I'm experimenting with right now, and thankfully they're getting a decent amount of response. Uh, but the whole purpose of this experiment is to further the further the narrative and the and further the story that a few words floating in space, you know, can can convey. So uh, you know that is something that I've been doing so so far. Uh, if uh, from one of my previous experiments, I would like to read a poem. If that's okay, uh, Henry. Yes, please. So uh, this one is called a vignette of precious. So this is uh, from my previous uh, major project where I wrote one poem every day, and I did it for almost four months, actually more than four months. And this was part of my second book. Uh, here I focus more on simple structure, but trying to tell a story, trying to tell a visual story, and trying to tell create a striking narrative with words. So here goes, a vignette of precious. The senseless few that kept the view on the fields and trees and the hills. They stood at guard at Walt's defense through sun, wind, rain, and the chills. They never broke guard the sentries and never even winked or blinked. These sentinels of the precious, they maintained a roster well-inked. Nothing ever moved and nothing changed when they stood fast at watch and nothing or no one came near or even left a mark or a blotch. One day the winds roared and blew in the faces it threw dust. And yet they didn't budge or close eyes for protect their precious they must. Then followed the rain from heavens and drenched them to their bones. And the night now started to descend. The light disappeared in cones. In all this fury sent from above, these guards got more alert for they knew the signs of it all. A thief was approaching to flirt. One loosed an arrow into the dark, splashing and splitting the rain. It flew so silently and swiftly though, but the thief was too fast his gain. So a volley of arrows was set to sky. The thief smirked and began to glide. Through the muck ahead with his sword and through the mud he'd slide. He slashed and cut with his sword the arrows that flew his way but kept moving forward hastily. With him, his robe would sway. Suddenly a stinging pain in his chest. The guard had hit him square. An arrow from behind came, a hidden one they hadn't played fair. He fell to the ground in a thud and formed a pile of cloth. The guards came down but one and they began to move forth. They kicked the thief into the muck and something hit their leg. An arrow was shot from above and their senses, how they beg. For the guards had not accounted for the second thief to exist. And now they saw at their feet, the arrow, a robe in its mist. The thief had never existed when they realized another shot hit and they fell to the ground both, beaten by the third guard's wit. He approached the precious kept safe and opened the box with wide eyes, a mirror showed him his true self and he died all from the surprise. 
So uh, this was one of the, you know, the storytelling or narrative building experiences that I was aiming to work on in my previous work, which I still continue. I try to tell stories in short and long form poetry. Just try to keep it simple, rolling, but uh, the, the, you know, to paint a striking narrative. Well, I'll tell you, it's rare that I, I, you see such a gripping and thorough um, use of rhyme and meter in, in poetry today. Like that was really beautiful. Uh, it's, in tackling such um, grandiose theme, I mean, it's, 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 I feel like you know, a vin, the, the, the verse is is like in rhyme verse. I love when it attacks those that level of theme because, sort of historically, you know, hearkening back to Shakespeare, you just feel like when you're hearing something. At least I do when I hear something that's rhyming. I want to feel like it's delving into something that's 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 outside of the moment and outside of not so much an introspective thing, you know. Um, whereas, like when I read something more in free verse or you know the, the biblical line or confessional or the language poets like i'm you know then you're you, you i don't know it's interesting i wonder how you, each of you feel about that the way in which the approach to the line um changes the sincerity of the subject matter uh, before we get into the nft i just i'm curious what you each think about that I actually have a, you made a really good point there because uh, this is exactly why I choose to use only simple rhyme schemes and uh, use only simple words. Like uh, there are many ways to, like you said, when very well said, that there are many ways to approach a line to construct it and to convey a meaning. I can make it non-linear. I can make it complex. I can make it inverse. I can make it, uh, you know, I can make it actually transverse by cutting through and, you know, uh, uh, interchanging the, the layout. There are many ways to attack it, but I feel that if I am able to condense and uh, you know uh, convey the story in a simple manner, in such a rhyming and symmetrical manner that it it you know it uh, soothes the ear, but also makes an impact on what you're trying to tell. I find that's one of the best ways to deliver a story, which is why I stick I restrict myself to this style. I love it. It's, it has a kind of grandiosity built in. How about you, Anna? Um, for me, rhyme um, is a constriction that in form can be a, um, a constriction, but it, um, I think it serves a purpose when it highlights the theme of the poem. Um, for example, I have a poem in my manuscript that's a villanelle even though uh, my editor, um, who's this amazing feminist and is like, you know, ready to rock the world um, with her points of views is like, no, 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 F the Villanelle, like you're gonna mess this up. Um, and so, so it's not a, a true, true Villanelle anymore, but, but it's about language and words of relation and um, how sort of we're owned by our family in a way. Uh, by the words, my mother, my daughter, my father, my family, how they wield such power. Um, and it's it's hard to understand and grasp sometimes. So that Villanelle definitely um, helped me sort of really hammer in the, the points that I was trying to make. Um, but for now, did me, you find rhyme... that the rhyme, the rhyme was was part and parcel to sort of hammering in the my, my, my. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah, and the I, construction, I right? So right. one of you know the 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 villanelle is is um, sort of um, in in rhyme. It's like the first and third lines of every stanza have to rhyme. And right. I use construction relation as the words that rhyme. And there were so many great words that I could use, like association, justification, implication. Um, so, so it was an interesting exercise. But, but otherwise, I like to use rhyme in a similar way as to how um, I think T.S. Eliot at his best used mm. it, which is kind of to surprise you and yes. remind you that you're in a poetic space. Um, I mean, I think the poem that sort of like woke up my poetry gene that was like somewhere in my body um, was the love song of um, J. Alfred Kufrock. Oh, I love and, that poem. And it's a poem that is really formless um, for all its, you know, virtuosity. It's really formless, but there's rhyme in it and it, he rhymes when he wants to. Um, and that's very... It was kind of revolutionary for me to read that, you know, like in my high school English class. <laughs> I can imagine. I actually, I, I remember fondly a, a friend of mine, a po fellow poet, and I used we used to uh, we used to drop hits of acid and go sit in a local diner and read. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. We used to read, and we did it over and over and over the wasteland, and we would take turns going back and forth at the table for like seven hours, you know, pissing off the waitress and. <laughs> and, uh, nice <laughs> <yeah>. trip. <laughs> it was a great trip. I mean, we probably did yeah. it like 16 times in one summer. I know it was fun. I was it was 30 years ago, but it was fun. Kaylin, how about you? Um, yeah, I I love hearing and reading, you know, rhyme poetry, but when it comes to writing it, I have to say, uh, let's just say I have like an ambivalent uh ambivalent feelings toward it because on the one hand, like Anna said, I do feel like it's a constriction, like, you know, out of the 20 poems that I wrote for the um, ether poems, only one of them with the new formalist is a rhyming poem. Um, and I kind of did choose the 20th century because I wanted to stay away from rhyme and meter. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I actually, I, there is a part of me that likes writing um, with constrictions. For example, the Ulipo, basically their whole thing is like, uh, they play games and they, they do what's called um, constricted writing. So they have certain rules. You can't use a letter E, uh, you can only use a letter E, you know, they have these rules. And I've written a poem, used uh, a Lipo poem uh, for this and another poem earlier. And, um, you know, I like, I like the kind of puzzle nature of it. Like I kind of like putting it together and, you know. Um, so, you know, a part of me, really doesn't like it and a part of me actually kind of enjoys it in a in a strange way i guess very nice and duo well uh, most of the time i have been like uh, hearing people uh, i've been talking a lot to kenshiro and how to construct the the the, the poetry in the um, Right now, you know, because um, the 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 actual wave of poets are using like a, a new way to construct lines on poetry, and it's pretty amazing because uh, we were used to 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 see. Uh, like you were saying before, Latin, Latin, Hispanic 
poetry is made out of a uh, heart and and the lines are are very short but very strong and and right now people are constructing uh, poetry uh, like um, a form of, of telling story and and that's uh, very new and and I love the way it's 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 coming Well, you know, and the reason I, I, I wanted to segue off of uh, this idea of the line and structure, uh, because I want to now dig into the NFT. And the thing that I find fascinating about poetry in the NFT market is that, you know, Digi said something, uh, or he, he in his, I, I collected his first uh, dimensional piece. I, I really think it's a breakthrough. I, I think there's a lot to be done there. Um, I'm really, really excited for him. And the thing that it triggered in me was this idea of a freer verse. The way in which all of the structural considerations of poetry now can expand sort of paradigmatically, metaphorically, by way of the technology, there's an almost infinite possibility of ways and means of imagining and reimagining how language can work its way off the page and into the metaverse. Um, that's important, I think, because I, 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 I don't, there's not a lot of theory writing on this yet. I do think it's going to come. Um, but, you know, you think about movements like the concretists, you know, you think about what was done on the page specifically over time. Um, you think about the biblical line and you think about anything, any structural anomaly, any consideration that builds a poem, you know, go back through any of the movements. We now can look at that differently. We can now think about that in 3D. We can now think about um, meaning differently. How, how can meaning expand dimensionally by way of this digital bridge to the NFT? And, you know, just to go back into, you know, this almost inside joke among poets, everybody on the show, I think, agrees that you, you can make more money in the single sale or, you know, couple sales of NFT, um, you know, an NFT poem than you might make in a career as a poet. Uh, so there's that consideration. But for me, it, that's not as interesting. I mean, I love that we can make money off our poems. And I have sold one, no, two already myself. Um, but I'm more interested in the the what how it's going to free verse more than verse has ever been free. So I, I actually thought you know it would be fun to coin a word today, uh, the 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 freer verse movement, F R E E R, freer verse movement, and let's write a manifesto like a dead cadaver manifesto where. I'll write a paragraph of the manifesto and then each of the guests today will write a paragraph of the manifesto of your take on how the NFT is going to free verse more than it has ever been. How, do, how does everyone feel about that? Do you think you guys can contribute a paragraph on that concept? No, I think it's brilliant. I think this is the way and this is the reason why we are in this space together because we understand the possibilities of actually freeing it and experimenting and innovating further. So this is brilliant. 
uh, and I just wanted to expand a bit more on what you said. You know, you are really right on the trying the the innovation that I'm trying to do is literally for that to free the verse and to understand how we can experience it further in a formless shape or uh, just in different forms. To give you one example, one of my my latest piece uh, of my latest experiment on this one in 3D augmented reality poems is just who am I? I literally repeated the word who am I or the phrase who am I in a grid. And I've I've staggered the grid in a way that when, when you rotate it creates a dissonance. Like the words are repeating in a, in a different way. You can't see clearly, but you know what's happening. And you, no matter how you turn, you can make a sense of it. And when you reverse it, it becomes, uh, I'm a OHW, like a one hit wonder. So I'm also trying to experiment with this kind of integration into the poetry. So I think this is a great idea about writing the Freer Verse Manifesto. And I'm, I'm all for it. Ladies. Yeah, no. I mean, that's free verse. I, I, you know, I think verse, to be honest, is free. I think the problem we have is the logistics of poetry. Um, the way that poetry is published and packaged and consumed um, needs to be freed. Um, because I, you know, I, in, my, in my classes, I, I encounter such brilliant young poets and it's like a really kind of Sisyphean task for them to like get published. And for me too, you know, but, you know, between us, I'm 40. Um, so I've just been at it for 20 years and I kind of gave up on making a career of being a poet. Um, but, you know, I see these students that are like ready to take it on and then they just get so disheartened because there's really just no way of making a living. There's, it's, it's just not possible. Um, so, so I think that the poetry journal and these gatekeepers in poetry just need to open up um, to the technological side of things. Um, and to that regard, um, Callan and I are actually working on a project um, which will be called the Verse Verse. Um, and we want to make um, a poetry NFT gallery just like there are art galleries for painting, for mm -hmm. sculpture, for anything really, you know? Um, but there's nothing for poetry. So we want to, I mean, our, our plan, our master plan is to make manifest the intrinsic value of a poem as a work of art, but we need to infuse them with new media. The black and white on the page is, is just not cutting it anymore, I think. And so what DigiPeed is doing, for example, is so exciting. Um, these virtual reality poems. I mean, imagine putting that and sort of projecting it in your house. Um, and DJ, I'm oh, going to knock on your door <laughs> to that effect. But, well, um, but yeah, welcome. I agree with everything that's been being said. <laughs> Caitlin? Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, it sounds good. Like, uh, I think from the beginning, my thinking has been kind of um, freeing uh words and kind of like scattering them across the metaverse in the crypto space wherever I can kind of find space uh, where I can kind of like um, wedge in words, you know? So um, I think, yeah, that, that's a really interesting. For example, like I wrote like a super four line poem, um, you know, on OpenSea, you have the trading history where you see all the trades that's mm -hmm. been made and there's like the wallet name. And mm -hmm. um, 
I, I actually wrote a poem on the trading history uh, by, by creating four different wallets and then naming them um, a line essentially of a poem and then kind of like putting in like ridiculous offers so that they kind of appear one after the other. And then so you have like a random poem, in, like a poem in a random place on a page in open sea in the trading history where, you know, it's the last place you would expect to read a poem, you know? So, uh, yeah, I fantastic, think it's a great idea. That's fantastic. Now, you know, just to, that, like, just touch on that. I mean, think about there's a possibility that has never existed before. You know, I think there's also something to be said, going back to what um, Anna was just referring to the, um, the gatekeepers. There's also this uh, puritanical kind of uh, overwrought view of poetry that it should never be subject to like capitalistic commodification. And, you know, that, that is the radical side of poetry is always fought the system that way. You know, when you think about the great movements, the great poets, uh, most of them, especially maybe up through the 20th century, sort of happened on the side. But, but what people don't realize is if it were not for the academy, you know, most of those poets wouldn't have existed or wouldn't have been sustained. They, they were pretty much, you know, you can look at the 20th century as primarily you know, at least in the West is a poet, you know, poetry that was sustained by the Academy. And I think that that's been part of the problem. And so the gatekeeper, one of the biggest being the academies, uh, the universities, I should say, um, you know, the, the Academy of Poetics is, is, it's all doctrinaire. It's like, it's, it's hand selected. And, you know, this is what is freeing now is that the gatekeepers are not going to have a say. It's the same thing with art. I mean, I can't tell you what an extraordinary transition it's been for me to come from uh, the analog art world and the, the world of galleries and shows to the NFT space where every aspect of my career is strategized and culminating at my will without any gatekeeper, any intermediary, um, there's nobody that's asking for a percentage cut, you know, there's no art dealer, there's no curator, there's no, you know, handlers, there's nothing, you know, I can, I, I've said this before, you know, I put, I have had, you know, solo shows and they cost me $25,000 and I walk out of there with 35,000 and I've given away half my work, you know, to, uh, art dealers and curators because what doesn't sell typically, especially with international shows, they build right into the contract, you know, this sort of gratuitous access system for them, you know, if the, especially with, with artists that, you know, are emerging and not emerged. If you're below the glass ceiling, you know, it's different than being Damien Hurst. You know what I mean? So in the world of poetry now, I see the NFT space as opening the door for poets to be the rock stars that they have been at various times in the past, certainly in retrospect, like the Rimbaudian, you know, that Rimbaud uh, persona that can evolve in real time now. Poets will be liberated to evolve their personas in real time and, and, and not have to wait. Uh, like, I'm sure you've experienced this, Anna. You have a manuscript ready and your publisher says, okay, we're gonna publish this in two years and six months. 
and you're signed up. You know, like, that's exactly what's happening to me right now. Yeah, exactly. Not, I mean, it, 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 <laughs> also, I'm sorry to jump in, but this also happened with my first book. They said that, okay, you're on a wait list. We signed you. Now you paid this much money to move you up the list. It's, it's and, a joke. in my case, like, you know, they awarded me a prize. They made this, you know, big deal out of it and published it everywhere. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, you know, when are we getting started? They're like, oh, we'll contact you in a year or so. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. And so you've lost control, you know, over steering that ship that is, in, you know, that's so vital to your career. It's so vital strategically to your next step. You know, it's like if you take that whole body of work out of the river of, of the flow of your life's project and set it on a, on a, a shelf to get dusty for a year and a half so that, you know, you, it suits some, you know, mega corporations timeline for publication, then your whole life project is on the back burner for a year and a half, right? Especially in the public sense. And I mean that in mostly in the public sense of perception of your life's project. I mean, if I can, I can speak a bit to that um, with this short story that I was writing that I was so into, I lost interest in it. Um, after I published another short story and realized, you know, like kind of, it was just so anticlimactic. It was totally deflating. I'm like, oh, I'm going to pour, you know, gouge my eyes out writing this short story. And then, you know, spend six months trying to publish it. And then it comes out and it's like, wah, wah. Um, so the opportunity to pitch it to async art um, made me want to write again. Um, and I guess that's what I that I wanted to share. Like, I think the NFT space could really motivate writers that are disheartened or just, you know, maybe doubtful about continuing to really give it their all um, because it's kind of worth it. Like you have control and you could possibly, you know, potentially actually make some money. And I totally agree with what, what you're saying, Michael. Like there's no disgrace in poetry being a paid art. It doesn't diminish the value of, of the work. It doesn't diminish the value. And I think maybe for the first time in history, what we're standing on a precipice for artists and writers and musicians. Um, even I, I, I can see this happening for textile artists, uh, bringing, you know, bringing the, the material world into the digital world is going to be radical shift. And the primary win-win is that your life project can happen in real time now. Meaning that you, I, the fire that you feel as a creator in any of the arts is something that is, is difficult to sustain when you are waiting for a show date, when you are waiting for a performance date, when you are the gig, you know, the, 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 the show, the, the, the poetry night, you know, the, the publishing, whatever it is. So now, the, the, we, I, I see us as being tasked as stewards of the space to sort of build this structure and communicate this, this newfound freedom that your life's project, and I like the term causes sui, right? That, that idea that you have a reason for being and that this reason as a creator now has this sort of unleashed potential in this space. So I'll give you a for instance. So 
<clears throat> I'm working now um, on a, a particular art, an art project, which is I'm right, you know, writing theory essays about it and whatnot. And I've, I've, it's, it's uh, up onto its third iteration uh, was released and sold yesterday at auction. The, the ability for me to produce the studies, right? So I'm working on the fourth iteration of this project now. It's probably going to take me another 100 hours to finish it. But as I'm working through the process in developing out this art, which also does contain language, it's, it's, I won't go into the explanation of it, but let's just say it's multifaceted. And then I'm able to, as, as I did today, just to share to a large community a, a study for the, genera the, the iteration for it. And then if I want, I can take that study and I can mint it. And the collectors of the iterations who are, or people who are following this, they would normally have to wait for a show or maybe even a retrospective five or eight, 10 years down the line because a curator is not going to take a study seriously you know, when they want to see the, you know, the generative works. They don't want to see the studies until 20 years later. But guess what? Collectors of the... The, the, the sort of masterworks care about the studies, right? But they don't ever get to see them, historically speaking. But now I can share them and I can share them in a very profound public way where they can be consumed, they can be collected. And that is adding to the provenance of the work at a in a timeline that it's never been impossible before. And I see that same potential for poets that, you know, you, you could have a poem, you could be working on a book, and you could generate an extraordinary amount of support for that book, just by the strategic way in which you share it, maybe not even whole poems, you can share sections of a poem, you know, you can write an essay impromptu, that is sort of, you know, underpinning the schematics or the, the subject matter or the theory, the theory of the content. You know, I mean, Digi can do this with his with his uh, virtual reality poems. So the, 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 the liberation of poets, as we're speaking today about poetry, is so completely real. And I don't think that this is well communicated. And I hope that we uh, as a group here and, and, and others like us, I hope we do start to communicate clearly what is possible. The potential is limitless. And I'll open the floor yeah. to that comment. I think um, that's really interesting, like these two things that came up, um, you know, money and time, right? So I hear, like, I often hear, like, my like, writer friends who have published in traditional uh, publishing, like, complain about how long it takes, like Anna was saying. And um, crypto, you know, in the crypto sphere, you, see, you often see on Twitter, like, how um, in the crypto space, time speeds up, you know? So it's, I think that NFTs and crypto can really um, solve that problem of um, the time it takes to publish. And also for money, like I, I honestly think that, you know, we really need to get rid of this trope of a starving, starving poet, starving artist, right? Like we really need to start paying artists and seeing it as a job as well, like an art, but also something that they need to be paid for because the, the, you know, they put their labor into it, to the, into their work, and they should be, you know, properly compensated for it. And um, it, it just reminds me of this um, little aphorism by this 
by an artist called Polisadi, uh, who's Polish. And he, he used to say like, um, I don't remember the exact order, but his, he used to say, um, money for the artists, art for the people, glory to God. It's in French, but I translate it. And um, I feel like that's kind of what's happening in crypto, like regular people, like normal folks are buying art, artists are making money. And, and I think it's great. Like, I think it's revolutionary. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, writers publishing, making money, poets making money. Um, and so I think this space can do a lot for, for writers, not just artists, but for writers and poets as well. And that's, that's kind of what we are trying to do with Verse Verse that Anna mentioned earlier. Um, this project is to, you know, make sure that poets are paid properly for their work um, and, you know, do interesting things with their work as well. Mm. Duo, you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, actually, uh, it's pretty interesting because um, right now we are on a verge that not only us are the ones that has to be on the space, um, like uh, being able to show poetry. And as you say, in the Hispanic uh, world, um, right now I am doing like a research and uh, I am documenting it. where I live there's a lot of artists and poets and that has been lost uh, through time because they didn't have the medium to show their work and show their feelings you know and 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 I am trying to go to every town that I can and try to documentate that uh, art that it's actually written in the walls. Uh, the poet here doesn't uh, have the medium to show their, 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 their words. So they go to the streets and to the walls and, 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 and paint those words. And it's pretty amazing because you see a lot of poems that, that um, Usually, you are not gonna be able to see on on on, on the web or on on the space. And I am trying to reach those artists and try to 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 make them know that the NFT is part of the the new era. And and yeah, that is gonna be very amazing. And and we should do that with all the poets that are there and doesn't know about NFT space. Yeah, that's a. A big a big deal for us right now I, it's really important to get this out there and uh, you know what that's fascinating i'd love for you to share with me the documentation of the walls i i i'm sure you have some idea of this project that i've been working on now the the, gen the genesis graffiti wall um i have been documenting and collecting graffiti around the world for about 30 years and i i have a very formative collection at this point, probably about four or 5,000 uh, pieces. And the, there's something that's profound about the wall. Um, you know, that's, that just makes, makes me very, very happy to hear that story. Thank you for sharing it. Um, I just, it, it reminded me of, of, of was, I think it was Rykuda or somebody who discovered um, the Buena Vista Social Club in Cuba a bunch of older, beautiful souls that just used to sit out on the front steps and, and you know, play their hearts out. 
and uh, they were discovered. I can't remember who discovered them, but by some American blues uh, producer, music producer, and he brought them to light and they just took over the world of music for about two years. And I don't know if you've heard of them, but it's Buena Vista Social Club. They had a, yeah. a great he is, run. He is one of the best, of the best uh, series that I've seen. And they, I believe they're also available for free on YouTube. So it was so beautiful. Oh, yeah. My gosh. Dos Cardenas por amor. I love it. Oh, so great. Okay, I'm glad they were discovered. Can I, can I read you something from my country? This is, uh, this is Roberto Sosa. And uh, this is uh, a poem that he wrote uh, for the poor people. That, because in, in my country, well, right now, and uh, well, from a long time, it has been a, a, a country that has been enslaved by, by industries and companies that comes and, and, and steal from, from, from the people, right? So he wrote these social poems and 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 it's pretty amazing i don't know if i can if i can share with you this please it's okay so here we go I, i don't know if you want me to read it in spanish and then in english or only in english yeah. why don't you read it in spanish and english that way okay. um oh. yeah okay it has meaning yeah 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 so here it comes it's called los pobres los pobres son muchos y por eso es imposible olvidarlos Seguramente ven en los amaneceres múltiples edificios donde ellos quisieran habitar con sus hijos. Pueden llevar en hombros el féretro de una estrella. Pueden destruir el aire como aves furiosas nublar el sol. Pero desconociendo sus tesoros, entran y salen por espejos de sangre, caminan y mueren despacio. Por eso es imposible olvidarlos. The poor are many. And so it is impossible to forget them. Surely comes in the sunrise multiple buildings where they would like to live with their children. They can shoulder the confines of a start. They can destroy the air like angry birds, clouds the sound. But unaware of its treasures, they enter and live by mirrors of blood. They walk and die slowly. Therefore, it is impossible to forget them. Wow. Ooh. Thank you for reading that. And and you can go and search every single town and every single place in my country and you will find oh, these amazing artists, these amazing poets and you will be thrilled, you know. And, and I think that in every single a place of Latin America, you will go and, and find things like this. You know, I, I, um, I remember the moment I first heard about a writer named Ferraria Goulart, um, was Brazilian poet, and he wrote a book called Poema Sujo, The Dirty Poem. And it was a foundational work for me. It's just understanding. I mean, Neruda is so elegant. Uh, and so eloquent that it's sometimes it's hard to to grasp how political he is because of how profound his language is you know it, he, he he's he's almost too much you know he's like the Shakespeare of South America but this Ferrari Goulart is just dirty I mean like I love that he called this 
this book. It's a masterpiece. It's called the Dirty Poem or Poema Sujo. And it, I've never read anything that brings you into the streets and the nitty gritty of poverty and the, 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 the pain and the suffering of people living in the, in the daily grind of, of impoverished places. And uh, so that, that reading you just did reminded me of, of the book Poema Sujo. Um, also, I just wanted to point out that uh, Digipedia is going to have to leave us here in a minute if he hasn't already. Um, it has to get off to work, I guess. So thank you, Digi, uh, for joining us today. This is only going to be the first of many episodes devoted to poetry and poetics and poets. Um, and thank you so much for helping me gather the troops here today. Um, you know, an honor to have you on the show and we will have you back. So, the honor uh, and pleasure were all mine, Henry. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure and it is always uh, enlightening to hear you speak. And today with all the poetry uh, that was uh, you know, narrated here, the way we discussed the ideas, I am honored and this has been so beautiful. Thank you for having me and I'll catch you next time. Take care, Digi. Thanks, John. John, you, I just, I, it's so funny. You're so quiet, John. Sometimes I forget you're there. Um, do you, you wanna, know how it is? There's like a lot of people, right? So it's not, I'm not a poet, so I don't have that much to say, but I do have some comments before we end about what I heard today. And I also want to okay. hear the poem that you said you were going to read. I haven't heard that yet. Oh, well, why don't I just read that now? Um, yeah, so I, I just thought it would be uh, really appropriate to read this particular poem by Frank O'Hara because here you have a poet who's, you know, as was the case in the, it, with the New York school and you know these these painters and these poets were all like mingling in the bars together in New York City uh the Abex painters you know like the Pollocks and the de Koonings and the Motherwells and these guys were meeting in bars and, and you know smoking and drinking with poets like Frank O'Hara and he he one of his one of his my favorite poems by him anyway is called Why I Am Not a Painter and I think uh it was, you'll hear a little bit of what, um, what Kaylin was referring to as uh, the Frank O'Hara sort of poetics uh, in the work that she had read. <clears throat> Why I'm not a painter. I am not a painter, I'm a poet. Why? I think I would rather be a painter, but I'm not. Well, for instance, Mike Goldberg is starting a painting and I drop in. I sit down, have a drink. He says, I drink, we drink. I look up, you have sardines in it. Yes, it needed something there. Oh, I go and the days go by and I drop in again. The painting is going on and I go and the days go by, I drop in. The painting is finished. Where's sardines? All that's left is just letters. It was too much, Mike says. But me? One day I'm thinking of a color, orange. I write a line about orange. Pretty soon it is a whole page of words, not lines, then another page. There should be so much more, not of orange, but of words, of how terrible orange is and life. Days go by, it is even in prose. I am a real poet, my poem is finished, and I haven't mentioned orange yet. It's 12 poems. I call it oranges. And one day in a gallery, 
I see Mike's painting called Sardines. Love that poem. That's good. Well, so good. Yes, and we we are we are tasked, aren't we, to to write about oranges and to paint about paint sardines. And and the, at the end of the day, rarely do you see the orange and the sardine, but they're in there. so touchy and and it's pretty amazing the difference um and how uh, the past collide with the future you know and and hearing uh, i don't know who it was i think it was anna uh, reading poems about nfts you know and then switching to poems that we have maybe heard in the past as as poetry lovers and and it's pretty amazing it's so so crazy uh that was kaylin i believe yeah, right? you're you're referring to the to the poems yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah 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 exactly exactly pretty amazing pretty amazing well let's read another poem from you guys uh as we're starting to wind down here and now we're going to do this again less impromptu we have to talk uh, between then and now. I, I want to pick your brains about a lot of things. So uh, as we start to uh, wind down, let's have another poetry here. A little, a little poetry movement. Yeah, definitely. If you give me the chance, uh, there's a people that there's a, a, a woman that I admire so much because it was part of my youthness when I was growing up and, and, and she was one of the pioneers of, 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 of the poetic history in my country. And I already, and I actually knew her. So it's kind of amazing. And I know if I can, uh, before I leave or before I finish, I can read this for you. Uh, can I? Yeah, go ahead, please. Okay, her name uh, is Juana Pavon and she was called uh, Juana La Loca in my country as one of the crazies. And uh, the, uh, here it goes. Uh, I am crazy because no one can give me the distance, no limits, no futures, the only I can give them. I want everybody to know that I am crazy for not finding what I was looking for. I look for it under the stones, under the roots, from the moral of the earth. And what I found, it was the truth of the wrong things. That's why I'm crazy for not being able to go with the first landscape and flight mix it with love, the usual flight on empty bed. For wanting my freedom, my human love, because the down came and I did not receive it in my mouth. Because here in my madness, there is no mornings, no possible hopes, just the suicide rumor that animates my early morning because I have oceans of tenderness for those who wrinkled my heart as a child and they denied me a more dignified life. Okay, wow. wait, 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 it has to end, but I have to make like, um, oh, damn. This is so long, this is so long. I, I probably gonna be um, saying this, uh, okay. No, this is so long. Google Translator, don't let me put it so long. But but I, I'm gonna in the next one, I, I'm gonna be able to 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 translate all and and say it to you. 
Oh, please, I'm please sorry. do. No, it was that was brilliant though. I mean, I just the start of it. My God, she speaks so clearly. Like, I, f- I feel like she's I'm I'm at a bus stop and she's just babbling to me. Like that that directness is unbelievable. Like it's not something mostly you find indirectness in poetry. A lot of times, anyway, that that brilliance is so South American, so Spanish, you know, a Hispanic, and and, and it, you you see that over and over in South American poets. Their their directness is profound to me. Uh, ladies, who wants to read something? Um, I guess I'll go. <laughs> we don't want radio silence. Um, so I I am going to read um, the poem that I submitted for the doing good. Um, open call uh, for their first uh, gallery exhibition and it was accepted so hopefully um, you guys will get to see it um, on their gallery walls um, once they launch. Uh, The poem is called Waiting Room. Waiting Room. 26 weeks ago you entered my belly as an invisible coin. Now I bump into walls with your bulge spill soup on you, prop my elbows across your arched loins. Nina, our space is this, this one evening as minute in a moonlit room. I invite you to take over as you do, exhaust me as you do. 14 more weeks, child, to crowd my organs flat, to know absolute privacy, to witness the secret of my swollen eye, to collect my voice with the web of your hands. Tu, yo, tu, yo. Only once will I allow you to see this, Nina, this one collapse by the cage of your crib. Is my shaking waking you? Don't think it common. It is just the waiting that does this. Not for you, no. I wait for me, for the mother in me to take care of me, to birth me and bathe me and put me to sleep here in your room where the moon primes my womb so I may rise to receive you, reliable as a worn wooden spoon. Thank you. That was beautiful. Are you pregnant still? No, uh, Nina is now five years old. (laughs) Wow. It feels like you're pregnant now. That's so, so nice. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. Kaylin? Yeah. um, I can read, um, I guess I'll read another one, one of my metaverse poems, because I don't have, I actually haven't written a lot of poetry. Um, I am going to read um, the feminist poem. Um, and it's uh, actually a true story. It happened to a friend of mine um, in the metaverse. And uh, I, I actually wanted to um, emphasize two things. Like on the one hand, in the metaverse, in crypto space, um, there, all, there are a lot of um, female artists and writers and that are, uh, that have met with a lot of success. Uh, but on the other hand, um, you know, there's still um, a long ways to go, I think. Okay, metaverse. 
Parcel 14, Feminist. Dressed to the nines in my finest wearables, wig, cat eyes, legendary dress. At an exhibition of female artists, I dance and celebrate how far we have come. A naked avatar comes chat with me. Show me the boobies. That's it. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. It reminds me, there was a very awesome. famous, there was a famous situation that happened in my hometown that, that spurred on the laws that said women could, could take off their, their tops and their brassieres in public and they couldn't be arrested for it. And mm -hmm. so the, the national uh, case that spurred on the, leg the legality issue as to whether or not women could go topless happened on a, a place called Cobbs Hill in Rochester, New York, which is in upstate New York where I live. And this is, I was probably 17 or 18 and I'm turning 50, so I'm 49. So it gives you about how long ago it was. And I, I remember because it, it was such a big deal. They, they camped out and there was hundreds of women that just marched on this hill. And it's, you know, a gorgeous little park and, you know, a reservoir water, beautiful day cops everywhere and these women just all locked arms took off their shirts and stood there for the whole day it was unbelievable the news came next thing you know cnn was there oh so that just reminded me of that i hadn't thought of that in years oh, well truly a feminist yeah. statement that's for sure Okay, um, so I have the second, third, and fourth part already translated. So if you let me finish, I can finish if, if it's okay, because it's a strong poem. Uh, I don't know if I can. Can I? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, here goes the second and the final part. <clears throat> yes, I am crazy because I love Tchaikovsky, Jacobo Carcamo, Roque Dalton, and Morazan because I love the moon, the sun, the stars, the music and the mountains, because I love Pucho, the children's Tuwalda and Pink Floyd. I'm crazy because I eat death and misery in the water, because I love God and I admire Marx, because I love peace of the cemeteries. My madness, gentlemen, is to find my little creatures buried under pieces of cardboard, Federico said. These kids, when they get up, they look like shallows on scratches. That's my madness. Cross plastic boys who read vanities, cosmopolitans, and our Tegucigalpa. My madness is in the suffocating smokes, what gives me the pedestrian zone and the tired and infinity pain that gave me this, the real street. I'm crazy because the splashes mock my clear pup, pupils while this agony of pains always wants to sleep with me. Yes, I am crazy with pain of love, of rage for my impotence, for my cockroach resistance, for the groans that beat the windows of my soul. I'm crazy to rage to, to, rage to the ignorance ladies. Every time their cuckold husbands, they fix their eyes on my saggy tits without a bra. Let them know that my madness lay for foundations to almost always say what, what I think. And if sometimes I shut up, it is for not hurting susceptibles or out of consideration. What an, what an effort, my God. 
I am crazy to unmask to that people and their independence and their indecence for corrupt bugglers, assassins, explorers, shells, homelands, and above all, because I hate prejudice of those and those who only know how to point, but they don't see the tumor they have in the prostate and the vagina. For all those things I know and I shut up is that I am crazy. Oof. That is unbelievable. Wow. Well, I'll read a poem. And then I want to open the floor for you guys each to have a final statement about what you want to tell, what you want to say to the young writer that hears this podcast, to the poet that does not know about the NFT yet or is, knows about it but is on the fence or, or is nervous or what you know let's give them some confidence votes but first i'll read this poem it's from the book that i'm going to be uh, producing as nft it's called what the fuck america but it's actually the, the title is wtf america with a k not a c and it's a critique of the country for sure um i lost my brother to suicide a few years back and um you know he was uh, post-traumatic stress disorder sufferer, drug addict, um, you know, long fight, was my best friend. This poem uh, kind of, I mean, it was clearly inspired by my brother. Uh, so, but it's referencing America. Obviously, he's just the inspiration to the note. Um, America, I could never kill myself in the morning or on a Wednesday. So all of today is for walking. I sometimes die on Tuesdays. Actually, I weep on Tuesdays. And on Thursdays, my feet hurt from laughing the day before. And I cannot remember which day my tongue is dry or which day my shadow goes missing. And there's always a day each week that I nearly died for love because I can't bear to step on the flowers. There is a day on which everything I can't remember about my childhood stumbles across my path a drunken mess. And Sundays never bear a human resemblance. So I cannot eat the bread and I cannot drink the blood. And my secret self feels lonely without a body to call home. And Saturdays, well, they look at me in the way my grandfather did when he understood I had learned something painful about the world. And Mondays are so ungrateful. It's as if they don't know I'm in a predicament. Days and days and days like dirt roads by flooding up rivers, uprooting things I cannot remember. A sad many have died in the morning on a Wednesday without a word and without a choice. That's it. So good. Wow. <laughs> That's so heart-wrenching. Oh my God, I'm so sorry to hear about your brother. But yeah, yeah, it's all right. Uh... So maybe, yeah. maybe uh, Henry, I can chime in here. Wow. From, from what I've heard tonight, you know, I, I think some people mentioned the selling books of poetry is a little bit hard because it's just black and white text and 
in a book. But as a non-poet, you know, hearing the artist's voice when they speak, and we've talked about artist's voice before, it just adds that much more. And I think with the NFTs, like not only can, can poets put their voice on it, they can also share their backstory, their background. And when I was listening, you might think it's crazy, but when I was listening to uh, Digipedia read his rhyming poetry, for whatever reason, I was thinking about Eminem. And, you know, if Eminem, maybe you like, maybe you don't, but he, he was successful. And uh, if he had just written his, his poetry or his raps in a book somewhere and tried to sell it, he, he never would have made it, right? No one, I, I don't think. But because of technology, because of, you know, the TV, the, the visual, the, and also the audio, of course, you know, his voice, I think that helped him a lot. And I think NFTs can help, help poets a lot in that way, too. Uh, you know, I, I've seen Digipedia's uh, 3D, one of his 3D works, and I thought it was great. But I think there's so many other ways, you know, in the NFT world, a lot of artists, they'll, they'll create an image, and then they'll do multiple copies in different color schemes. And I think something like that could be applied to poetry. I had another idea just on the show tonight, like you could do a limited, I don't, I don't know if the software is there yet, but you could like sell, uh, I don't know what to say, a book of 10 and you can play it 10 times. Each time you play it, it gets erased permanently. Uh, there might be something there. I also on my smartphone, I get these uh, apps for meditation. I, I never use them, but um, I think, it, I think by, uh, yeah, a good poem and a good visual. And if you put like a meditation angle on it and you could help that real help, you could sell that as helping you relax or I, th I think there's some, some angle there. And also the censorship thing. So Dio Crypto was talking about some of the, the human hardship in the poems there. And I think that's, that's going to affect more and more people going forward. And there's more and more censorship. So, you know, having it on the blockchain, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things that, uh, can be accessed through the nft world and I'm, I'm looking forward to the the freer idea the free free verse i thought it's been a great show anna what would you like to say i would like to say thank you to well, everyone <laughs> here and listening um this is this is an exciting time i think to be a poet in the nft space and for people who who you know are collectors and are interested in poetry, just inviting them to, you know, take the leap and, and support poets in this space. Um, I think that they will be happy with their investments. I think Art Chick would agree with you too. I think so. <laughs> and I think more and more people will begin to agree as well. Um, look at what happened with photography. Um, with generative art, all these projects that, you know, kind of didn't raise any eyebrows or weren't um, drawing much interest, all of a sudden are exploding. Um, and it's only a matter of time that the same will happen with poetry. Agreed. Uh, I do think that the coordination of from the individual to a collective voice is going to be important. So the work that you guys are doing with verse versus, I think that's the kind of thing that needs to happen. Um, again, like we don't, one of the opportunities that's available now is just the ability to, to gather the momentum of, of grouping and in, in building a movement where there wasn't one, you know, 
uh, Twitter is is so powerful in that way. The ability to gather, um, you know, impromptu through spaces, uh, to coordinate through spaces, to uh, everything can be coordinated now. And I, I think the more that we focus our energies on on building community, uh, you know, strength in numbers kind of thing, I, I think that's going to help out a lot too. So hats off to you. I want to know more about Verse Verse and uh, hopefully uh, participate in that too if it's a, if, if it's uh, when it comes around. Great, great. Well, our my DMs are open, so okay. please feel free to reach out. Kaylin? Yes. Um, yeah, so what John was saying about, um, our, or was it Michael? No, it was John, um, about spoken word poetry, Eminem. Um, I mean, I feel like poetry, Poetry is supposed to be read aloud, right? Um, that's the way it should be. Um, so yeah, in the NFT space, NFTs make that possible. So video forums and all that, and absolutely for collaboration. I mean, I think that is the future of um, artistic uh, creation in the NFT space is gonna be all about collaboration. I mean, I think collaboration is gonna be a very big part of it. Um, and I think that's, it's very exciting. Um, and um, a word to the newcomer, to this, a new writer in this space. Um, I would say just like, just dive in. I mean, it's, uh, you, I, I think that's part of the crypto art movement's um, kind of founding idea is that this space is open to everyone, right? I mean, you don't have to have a degree in literature or fine arts um, to practice or in create in the space. And that's that was one of the founding ideas um, of the crypto art movement. So, I mean, it's really wide open and the community is so um, wholesome, you know, and supportive and warm. Um, and so um, you're gonna find people, uh, you're gonna find your friends and um, people who are gonna help you and support you. So I think that's one of the most amazing things about the space. And um, yeah, and I have a, a crypto writer discord if you want to join if you so um there are lots of writers there um who could help you and yeah that's it yeah be thank sure, you so uh, much for for having me for listening oh yeah. it's it's thank you so much for joining us all of you today um be sure to give the uh links to verse verse and your discord and anything else relevant um that you want to have included in the show notes uh, just so that people have access to that, okay? And uh, Duo, what would you like to say to the young uh, NFT or the aspiring NFT poet? Yeah, definitely there's going to be a very near near future for all of those who are, like, uh, struggling because they don't have a voice in the poetry NFT world. And... and it's already started, you know, with uh, Archic, uh, with the threads on NFT Freaks, and with you and Black News um, trying to put poetry on the on the on the spot with ourselves with the Poetic Soul project also. So for the young ones that are like um, battling about how to expose their words. Uh, on nft there's gonna be a bright future very near very near i i i can even say in the in the a few weeks we're gonna be a, 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 a avalanche 
of, of poetry on, on the NFT space. So, so be aware that you're going to be part of this. Yeah. And, and I guess on that note, uh, I just want to say thank you. This was um, better than I even imagined it would be it, for it being so impromptu. Um, again, thank you so much for your last, you know, just, just agreeing and finding the time to come on today. Um, we're going to pick this back up. This will be the first of many episodes on NFT poetry. Uh, I hope next time, maybe between the two of you ladies, we can invite Art Chick to join us because I've always wanted to talk to her about ether poems. She was uh, very vocal about that. And uh, I think she'd make a great, uh, a, a great contribution to a, a future episode. Um, yeah, so that's it for me. Thank you, everybody. Um, enjoy the rest of this lovely day. You Thank too. You. Thank, you. Thank you, Henry. We, we keep in touch. I'll send you the, 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 the pictures over the DM. Don't worry. Perfect. Have a great Saturday, everybody. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.